do we need do we need like a proper intro do you feel like we i was thinking we can intro? we can maybe do the um um i'm ben you say i'm brandon and like we're you know today we're gonna talk about remote work or something like that um i'm curious to, just because it's an experiment i'm curious if it might like let's see how it feels right hmm. if if kind of doing something a little over time we try a bunch of experiments and the things we like we keep doing and then the things that we don't like we shed yeah um, welcome to another edition of product therapy uh i'm ben uh and i'm brandon um i that feels very unnatural to me um especially <laughs> because like therapy is not a thing that is like a show requiring introduction it's just like a conversation um welcome to session two this is session, session two. two begins this is session two. I'm here for session two. I'm checking in to session two. We're know. both checking in, right? Not, yeah. Neither of us is the service provider, and uh, there's no there's no proverbial couch for one of us to sit on. I, I feel like we're almost like in um, two therapists that are like b giving each other therapy or something like that. So we've been um, <laughs> binge watching The Sopranos, and that is all. I don't know if you've watched The Sopranos. I know you were like very out of the loop of American culture throughout your childhood, as you told me once. Um, but the whole thing about the um, mafia boss going to a therapist and then the therapist for the mob boss going to her own therapist, I feel like, like we're in a, not a, a much lower stakes version of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, the Sopranos was something I binged uh, right towards the end of college and I couldn't believe I'd never seen it. And yeah. uh, I think that those scenes with Tony Soprano on the couch with the therapists uh, were fantastic and really probably gave me my first exposure to what um, good therapy might look like. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the, the ability to find a therapist like that one on that show is extremely rare. I've been to several therapists myself, and uh, I can tell you that none of them were like that um, good at asking questions and probing. So. Yeah. It's almost so good it has to be scripted. That's a big reason why I haven't ever gone to one is that I just like don't want to go through the exercise of having to find one that feels right. It's just like it, it feels like diminishing returns. Yeah. We're a therapist talking to a therapist, but also a product manager talking to a product manager, which is exactly what I want to be doing on a day where I'm not working. <laughs> yeah. Well, the truth is that um, these conversations rarely, uh, the, the type of stuff that I imagine we'll be talking about on this show rarely fall into the neat container of like a work conversation. They're kind of like very meta um, oh, yeah. about the work, about the job. So yeah, on a nice Saturday, uh, it is it is nice to be talking about this stuff. And I think today we wanted to try to ch chat a little bit about something that's very top of mind for a lot of people today, which is remote work, working from home. Can I qualify that a little bit better? Every person yes. ever who is not a in a food processing or food production place or a healthcare worker is thinking about this right now to an extent. Yeah, this went from being something that was kind of on the fringe edges of um, like buzzwords, like remote work. And also there was like a tiny fraction of companies that you could even point to and say that these companies are paving some kind of path towards remote work. You and I met working at one of these companies and abstract when I joined was like a remote first company that had a San Francisco office. Um, everyone that worked there is in the U S other than a couple of small exceptions, but everyone was working essentially U S hours. And, um, that was my kind of introduction to remote work, uh, or working from home. I would go to the office a couple of days a month, maybe, but, I do know that the majority of the company, yourself included, never set foot in the office on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah. I mean, to me, like your previous, your kind of story there, that to me is not remote work. That is a job where you have the flexibility of occasionally being able to work from home. It's just that the occasionally is more frequent than once a couple of weeks, once every couple of weeks. For me, it's a totally remote job. I even use it as an excuse to do what a lot of people seem to be thinking about doing now, which is like leaving city life, I put in quotes, to kind of find something that's a little bit cheaper, gives you a little bit more space for your money, um, and just is generally like a, a different difference in lifestyle. The thing that I spend a lot of time thinking about is like, <laughs> what is this like for people who are still in cities where like, you, you, like you said yourself, you went into the office maybe like once or twice a week, but you still went in the office. 
I have to imagine some of that might have been a little like obviously some of it is wanting to like at FaceTime with real people. Um, some some things are truly more effectively kind of achieved in person, although that's I'm, I'm even starting to call into question. But also, like I have to imagine you're getting stir crazy. You're in San Francisco. You probably don't have the biggest apartments um, or much outdoor space that is sort of yours to kind of play in, for lack of a better word. Um, how is that? I know you're not kind of, you're, you're not employed at the moment, but like what is, <laughs> what is it like being kind of confined to your home in San Francisco at the moment? Yeah, so the, the current conditions with COVID are very different. Um, one, uh, I don't have I don't have a job at the moment, like you mentioned. And um, the key difference right now is that I don't have the whole apartment to myself. We have a two bedroom here, and my wife um, has been taking also a lot of work calls from home, and, and just I think learning how to share the space at home uh, with someone else for the entirety of a workday has been the real adjustment. It wasn't stir crazy at all. Um, for all of 2019 when I was at Abstract uh, and I was the only one working from home every day, I got to move between the couch, the kitchen, the dining room. We have an extra guest room where there's a desk and another couch. Uh, there's also coffee shops nearby that I would go and I would go between calls and just like get out of change scenery a little bit if I had to do some IC work and just like write some stuff or watch video more passively. Um, but I think that for the most part, I took all of my calls either here or at the office I actually would, on days where I had a lot more calls, I would try to be at home because at the office, you still have to find a phone booth or a conference room. There are not that many rooms in private, quiet spaces at the abstract office. Uh, So busy days at the office were days where there were maybe like 10 people there. And it's still not that many for a space that could probably hold like 30 easily. But uh, finding the private spaces where you could have one-on-ones, like a lot of our calls are one-on-ones or conversations where it's not necessarily something about the whole company just hearing all the ins and outs and the nuances of the discussion that leads to some kind of decision. So I think that's been the big adjustment for me. But um, I I also know people right now that live in a studio in San Francisco with their significant other. And that sounds, um, man, I think that would definitely be very hard. Yeah. Yeah. I I have some friends in New York that they're not all in studios, but they're, they're in places with multiple people with not a whole ton of space to go around and not just like, I I've been playing the grateful card, like more and more as we get into this deeper into this situation that like, I, I have space. Um, I like you, I have different places around my house to be able to go work. Um, I have a project to potentially finish a basement if I can ever afford to finish the basement, um, where that's another space that I can go work in. It's 70 degrees and beautiful outside. And I have a bunch of patio furniture to put together today from Ikea, because even though I'm a homeowner, I'm still cheap and buy shit from Ikea. Um, Ikea. Yeah, it's wonderful. Is, is, is where where's Wayfair generally speaking on the price point relative to IKEA and other other services? Um, it depends on what you're looking for. Um, quick plug to Wayfair, which is a um, previous employer of mine. Um, they have stuff that is in the price point of IKEA that is the same kind of flat pack shipped to you and you put together stuff. They also have stuff that's like twelve thousand dollars. It kind of depends on what you want. I like IKEA because. I know what I'm getting with them. Um, I know that if something gets damaged, it's probably my fault. I know I'm going to pay crazy amounts of money to ship things to me if I don't feel like driving down to their warehouse, which now is over an hour away from me, which is actually not that far in the scheme of things compared to other places, but still it's far. Um, but yeah, I I like having indoor and outdoor spaces that are just kind of free to use to work. Um, and like, like you, I also have coffee shops and things like that around here that I can go to. Um, they're not close. They're not walking distance, but it's like a seven to 10 minute drive to a couple. Um, and that's pretty nice, but yeah, friends and studios, that's gotta be tough. Friends with roommates, significant others. That's also gotta be tough. Um, my sister and, uh, my brother-in-law, her husband, They've been doing the same thing. They, I think they have a two bedroom. I'm not sure exactly what they have, but they're both working from home. And she said, uh, my sister sent me a picture that they took on Instagram. That is like a 
it's it's not a desk. It's their kitchen. It's the island in their like tiny kitchen in their apartment that they've basically like put it. They've converted into a stand up desk because they were also getting like back pain at their like table and stuff. Uh, and the creativity, while it's like, I don't even know how to feel about it because it's kind of inspiring and kind of nice to see people kind of making the best of the situation. But it's also like that's not what that's for. Like you're 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 making compromises in other parts of your life. You're like life hacking your apartments to try and make the situation less, not better, but like less bad. Um, so it's, it's weird, man. Um, we're just trying to get through doing yeah. whatever they need right now, just to get through. And um, like, we have an apartment that's we're, we're in kind of like a tall building in a dense area of San Francisco. So we can see like other apartments from our living room and, ones that are right across from us are also they've converted their island and their kitchen and they got two monitors and they essentially both sit there and then every time one of them has a call we see them <laughs> we also see their bedroom <laughs> and we just see them someone go into the bedroom and close the door and then it's like sit on the floor sit on the bed and take a call um so it's like very interesting how people are just like fully getting intimate with their spaces and for the most part you know i think most people have picked their apartments or houses not assuming that they were going to be spending like a whole year working from there together mm-hmm. um i think if people knew that that's what 2020 would have been like they would have potentially set things up differently but um for us i know it's definitely caused us to look at some friends that have gardens or have more houses that don't that are like single family houses as like wow that must be incredible like you can go outside and like you can get fresh air without having to put a mask on like that's cool yeah, um, I like I said, I feel immensely grateful and kind of a little shitty um, because my wife is literally working on our garden right now. As we record this, she is out on our porch putting together some planter pots, um, putting some vegetables into a raised bed, um, and we have the luxury of being able to do that. It's it's really nice. Might be a good a good yeah. point to talk about some of the trade offs, right? Because you know, you, you live uh, just outside of Boston, right? About an hour from downtown Boston? Yeah, it, probably an hour 15 from downtown. Boston's a weird city. It's like, it's it's not far, but it's very like between traffic outside of COVID and just like the weird suburbs and stuff that like make up greater Boston. It, it's about an hour and 15. Sorry for my ramble about Boston. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I think that what's interesting is that there's some interesting... Um, I'm using the word interesting a lot. There are some threads happening right now around like, well, is this going to mean that people are going to like less live in cities moving forward? Are people going to spread out more? Are the suburbs going to really come to life? And now that you don't have to go to an office, does this mean like places that have high cost of living, Boston and San Francisco included, are going to no longer be that attractive, blah, blah, blah. And I think that there's an element to this that reminds me a lot of what people were talking about about colleges when I went to school, which is the transition to online online learning. A lot of my, my classes at University of Florida were online when I was there because some classes had like 500 students. And of course, we're not going to all fit into a room. Um, yet, the college experience was very much on campus. And if you told me to take all those classes from home, I would have had a very different college experience. I joined a fraternity. I went to a lot of football games in a big SEC school. Like, there's a lot of things about college that I think were very specific to being in a location together. And I think about San Francisco, New York, being Boston, a giant college campus, <laughs> essentially, because they, they bring yeah. together people that have shared interests. They bring people together um, from, you know, it's not easy to come to San Francisco. It's kind of out of the way of everyone, right? It's like the furthest part of the country. And I think if you come out here, you come out here for a reason and you're probably trying to like do something that you couldn't do where you were before. Like that's the reason why anyone migrates anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that we might see offices as being less of the reason that people come here, just like classrooms are less of the reason people go to campuses uh, or live on campus. But I think that the density of talent and, and like, like-minded people that you could find in large cities will continue to be true in my opinion. Yeah, um, to me, it's very much about a value system more than anything. Because if you think about it, most people have been moving to cities. I'm a person who moved to a city at first because I thought I wanted to be in a city. I had like moved to Boston to go to college. I loved kind of being in and around lots of different types of people. Worked in a city for a while. 
worked in a couple of different cities for a while and then decided that I didn't enjoy it anymore. If I didn't have the option to be able to work from a suburb over an hour away from Boston, then I would probably still be there because that's my that's where most of the jobs where I can do my vocation of choice happen to be. And if I moved out to where I live now, what would I be doing? I'd be potentially like consulting for small local businesses. I might not even be doing product management. Like what, <laughs> like full, full candor, like what products are being managed out here? Um, that all said, I haven't ruled out the idea of like, maybe my future, if I ever get tired of this career is just being a general contractor. Um, Cause I've really enjoyed my DIY side projects as we talked about last week. Um, that's, that's totally a side note, but uh, yeah, I think that what's interesting and I hope people take advantage of about this time is it because you, there might be a situation if this persists for a long time and more companies get flexible like Twitter and Google and some other places have already started to do where you might no longer be tied down to a city because of the job. You might want to be tied down to the city for other things like wanting to be around people, wanting that sort of campusy, hive mind kind of culture around you, or if you want space, or you want to spend less money on your cost of living, um, even if that does come with potentially a like salary adjustment, because that's also a thing that companies are totally willing and capable to do, pro tip for those who don't think about that when they decide they want to leave the city, um, maybe that like that the space is more important to you than being inside a city with millions of other people even if that means taking a pay cut the cost of living is lower so you kind of net the same um i also think that this whole like pay pay cut for living somewhere is going to be something we see increasingly become less less prevalent uh over the next like what i'm saying is i think that today you know, let's say someone, an engineer can make like $200,000 if you're living in San Francisco, but if they want, if they're going to live in a place that's like half the cost of living, like Austin, maybe they get paid like 120 or something like that. And I think that, I, I think in the future, we're going to see that become less the case. I think you're going to just have like how much you pay a really good engineer and they're going to get that no matter where they are, because what you're paying for is the value of the engineer, not and you're not trying to like base the price on like cost. You're trying to base the price on the value that you get out of them. So I think I, like value-based price statement is where, where wages are going in my opinion. I sure hope so, but I am more cynical about how corporations work than you. I think that there's going to be a couple of schools of thought. Yours is one. Um, paying by market is another. You can easily make the argument that companies want to be prudent about how they spend their money. And if the demand for an engineer that is cheaper because they're willing to go further down, you could easily see a race to the bottom in terms of wages and salaries for people who are able to live with a lower cost of living as opposed to city dwellers, especially, especially if remote work and remote culture starts to get better um, or, or like people get better at remote work, which is something we should totally talk about as well. I, I, I regretfully take the cynical approach here, which is I think there's going to be some companies that are willing to pay by value. There are going to be some companies that are unapologetic about paying by market. Um, GitLab, which is one of the other premier companies, are uh, unapologetically public about how their compensation model works, which is by market. And there's going to be some companies that are nice and talk about wanting to pay fair, fairly and value-based publicly. And then when it comes down to the reality of the cost of talent, you're going to see some companies make tough decisions and they're going to piss off some people and they're going to learn from that. I think there's going to be a real mixed bag. I was yeah. just going to say, because I've, I've sort of seen it myself in just like my own kind of scouring of job boards and um, like looking at watching researching companies that are embracing remote work there are there there's this interesting trend that like the the companies that are first to embrace remote work are a little bit more public with other things about their culture and there's it's it is a mixed bag truthfully so um I will call back to a thing that I wrote about a couple of months ago when there were a bunch of companies that were starting to do layoffs prior to covid nineteen which is if you're interested in a job at a company, be very aware of how that company makes its money and how successful you think it is at being able to make its money. 
because that will help inform some of this stuff when you're looking at whether or not you want to work at that company. I will stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, and it will be interesting. I think that um, another, another thing we wanted to talk about today, and it's definitely kind of building on top of what we've been talking about is like, okay, so if you're looking at living in a city uh, and going to maybe like a co-located company that has an office where you're expected to go to the office most days versus maybe working from home, um, living in a suburb, um, being a digital nomad, um, something that might be more akin to like a remote first uh, distributed company employee. Um, I thought it might be helpful for us to, and, and interesting and kind of therapeutic in some way to just share what we've observed as like the things that might influence that decision. So um, for you, like who, who do you think, not who do you think, what do you think are some of the kind of like pros and cons of, of working at an office versus uh, remote as a product manager? As a product manager, because I was going to say, like, we haven't really talked, th this has been more COVID therapy than product therapy. <laughs> White collar COVID therapy should be the name of our uh, podcast. Um, I have to be totally honest. I don't think I can make a fair pros and cons list. I think it completely depends on your prerogative and your preferences when it comes to work. I honestly, at this moment in time, cannot think of any pros to being co-located in office with people. Sometimes there is a little bit of that sort of fire and uh, energy and motivation of just being around people and um, in, in terms of kind of quickly bouncing an idea to reality or just quickly getting clarity on a thing um, because you can just go over to somebody and ask them. Um, but that doesn't make it better than the alternatives in remote work. One thing that I've really learned and really started to lean into in my work as a product management is as a product manager, I'm not a product management. That doesn't make grammatical sense. A lot of the things that I used to do in an office job, I'm still doing and I'm still capable of doing. Sure, Zoom calls make things a little bit more awkward, but there's ways to get around that. Um, definitely want to talk about that a little bit more. But um, I, having done this job for almost a year now, completely remotely, and kind of getting used to how it works, getting my office set up comfortable, um, getting to know my coworkers a little bit better, I actually don't think I'm any worse at doing my job. I don't think our team is necessarily worse at producing good work than we would be otherwise if we were in the office because we've done some things to make a difference. We are, we're documenting things quite aggressively um, and quite crisply, quite thoroughly. We are making decisions asynchronously. We're setting clear expectations and deadlines to making those decisions. This is a quick side note on deadlines. Deadlines are mostly insane in my opinion because unless you can base them in some realistic understanding of effort and complexity and process that can land you on a firm date, it's honestly just pulled out of nowhere. Um, pace is really important. Deadlines become useful on very, very low level decisions. So what we've done, what we started to do on my team is set decision deadlines for very low level things that need a decision. Things like, I need people to read this document and say whether or not they have any feedback or not by the end of the day tomorrow. It's not, I need you to ship this product three weeks from now because like no one knows if that's actually feasible. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to do what I can to instill kind of smaller iterative target dates, deadlines, whatever, um, to keep, keep folks productive. Uh, we're doing casual fun things in Slack and Zoom to keep it fun. We started a caffeine channel in Slack to just talk about everyone's pretentious coffee habits, but we're still getting good work done. All, all that to say, basically, like I actually don't really feel much pro for being in an office right now. That said, I've been doing this for a year. A lot of people have been doing this for like a month and I don't have the problems of, I don't have as much of the problem of kind of co-located people with me. Um, I am able to separate from my wife who's working in another room in the house. Um, I do have a dog I need to take care of, but I'm taking care of the dog instead of getting like separation anxiety from the dog in an office. I'm able to kind of stretch out work and get work done when I need to. And sometimes decisions may not be made as quickly because I'm not literally going up to a person and 
asking them a question and making a decision. But I don't at this time feel like it slows me down and my work down dramatically. You could talk forever about pros that like conventional office workers feel by, by working in an office. But I honestly think there's a pretty heavy bias there because that's what everybody's used to. Um, I will say that like Wayfair had a very, very office centric culture. Um, everybody was co-located in an open office plan only like two years ago. We started like spreading people out to multiple offices, but all in the same like general location in Boston. Um, we had satellite offices in Berlin and warehouses all throughout the country, but communicating and working with those teams was next to impossible compared to working with the folks co-located with you because just the culture was not there. I think if you're able to evolve your work culture um, and figure out ways to be as productive as you were and potentially measure that to actually confirm that you are as productive, which is a whole other thing, you don't really have to think of them as like things that are better or worse than the other. It's just different. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to get off I, my soapbox now. No, no, I, I think I agree. So for context, I spent, you know, um, kind of just like my work setups right out of college were essentially like a cubicle uh, when I was in investment banking, which is actually seeming like a trend that may come back in our offices because people are realizing the value of uh, having some like privacy, but also being around other people at the same time. So and I'm not going to make a case safety. for <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to make it. Yeah, totally. I'm not going to make a case for cubicles here, but I will say that I've, I've worked in that environment and then I worked essentially remotely slash from an incubator or um, something like a small office for like a year and a half while starting my company. And then I was essentially an open office, open floor plan startup offices here in San Francisco for the last, um, for the five years leading up to working at Abstract. And then Abstract San Francisco office was an open office plan office. But then, like I said, I spent maybe like 90% of the month working from home. So I'd go to the office like a few times a month. Um, and as a product manager, some big differences I noticed are that so most product managers are individual contributors we don't explicitly manage people we don't have like direct reports a lot of us and all of our influence tends to be kind of um horizontal influence or we we drive for the things that we think make sense um by essentially getting people on the same page pulling the trigger on decisions like you said setting deadlines for decisions and feedback i mean i'm dramatically oversimplifying what we do as pms but for me, some of the big differences I noticed is that as a product manager, getting people on the same page of what I, about things I'd like to work on for the next quarter in a remote environment at Abstract felt like it took longer to get alignment on because there was honestly like a lot of things to consume and documents and like you're asking people to do a lot of reading in a remote environment. Like they really have to be self-driven as far as it pertains, like managing their own time, uh, giving you feedback in a timely manner. Uh, being comfortable having back and forth over text and also knowing when to transition the conversation into a call. And you're, you're really relying on people to not get rambly because when people get rambly um, and they just kind of like stream of thought what they're saying in a remote environment, that can feel unfocused. And um, my communication is very direct uh, when I'm on text. So trying to like manage the tone and the delivery of the message in a remote environment is just like a lot more deliberate than organically sitting down with someone or grabbing someone into a room at an office, going on, going on a walk with them, getting a cup of coffee. Uh, I used to do all my one-on-ones in an office, um, like out in the world, like going on walks and getting coffees and sitting at parks and talking. And I felt like that allowed me to build a relationship with people by spending time together and getting out of the office, getting some fresh air. And those people would come to see time with me as like enjoyable time because it was not time where I, I caused them to just like be stuck in a dark conference room and sit across the table from me in a kind of like confrontational stance, right? It's like, hey, let's go on a walk and talk through this together. And I feel like I was able to be a lot more effective with a lot of the stakeholders and uh, partners that I worked with in that kind of environment. It's all doable in a remote environment, but it's, in my opinion, way less like organic and human to just be on a Zoom call for an hour with someone and try to like get get them excited or try to make them feel a certain way about what you're talking. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is sound. I feel like 
there's parts of that that are that are sort of byproduct of the company culture and just the the kind of interpersonal relationships that you're trying to cultivate in your company. I'm sure that there are other folks out there doing products at different types of companies, like very, very stuffy, stuffy, very corporate environments that like going outside the office for a coffee would be very taboo or just frowned upon. Um, I don't know if this is true, but it's, I I have to imagine it's a possibility. I, I even know at the giant office that I was just talking about that I used to work in, like the, the receptiveness to kind of more casual one-on-ones versus kind of just more no, no bullshit meetings just to like get work done. There there was a huge variance depending on who you're trying to talk to. And I I think, again, that comes to like a, a variety of things, ultimately like values and interpersonal kind of differences is the biggest kind of contributor to that. Um, I, th- I think at least I, I almost think of remote, like wor- remote work is almost like the great normalizer because everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's kind of able to see each other's home life in a way where if you're in an office, you can kind of put that away and, uh, and be a person you aren't necessarily at home. I, I have so many former colleagues that I have to assume have vastly different personal lives than they do in their kind of office persona, because if they did behave that same way at home, I don't see how they would like have any interpersonal relationships or be married or have kids or whatever. That's obviously kind of an extreme thing, but like that's sometimes honestly how it feels. Like you meet with some people who are so kind of no bullshit, so cutthroat, so kind of eyes on the prize that I mean, to be honest with you, you and I are both that way to an extent, but it was nice being able to just like see your dog in the background or there's literally dog toys on the bed right next to me. Um, That kind of just like weirdly lighten the mood in a different way than like a a walk with coffee does. And and I, I, I think of it as the great normalizer because like, I don't want to personally, I don't want to feel like I'm operating at a different level than other people. Um, being able to see even like the CEO of the company I work for now get interrupted by her kid or something. Um, that's nice. Not, not only because it like breaks up the kind any kind of tension or, or high intensity work conversation or anything, but also it's just like, it reminds me that you, like we're all real people with things that are going on and I can I like make, that as well. I like I, that as well. Yeah. I can make my office as like, bare bones or corporate looking as I want, but like, we all know we're working from home. And I think a hybrid yeah. model is maybe where, where I'd be happiest. Um, where like you could work from home a few days a week and go to the office a few days a week and you coordinate with your coworkers about which days you're going to meet at the office or something like that. And um, I, I will be doing a commute for my new role as well once the world goes back to normal, but for the next call it like six months for the first six months, it's going to be pretty much like working from home which will be interesting. Um, but I have a romantic memory of certain office environments that I worked at. Like I would look forward to like going somewhere every day. And I think that that's to some degree kind of missing. Also the great equalizer argument is really interesting, but as you and I know, um, we, we've had some coworkers and I've seen it also with some of my wife's calls. Like some people have like really maybe like loud kids or like barking dogs or maybe their apartment's really crowded and they have roommates and some people end up having to take calls from like the bathroom. Um, and that's like, I, I don't want people to feel like they have to take calls from like a bathroom. Like that's, I, if, if I had to take a call from a bathroom, I would feel like this is not an equalized playing field at all. Like you're in your spacious bedroom with a great desk and I'm stuck in like the floor of my bathroom so I can get some peace and quiet, right? So I think that it does put more like personal ownership and accountability on each individual to like set up their own space and be like a grown up and like take take responsibility for your environment. But that said, I don't have kids and I have so much empathy right now or uh, respect for parents that are somehow making it work right now with kids at home. It's beyond me how they're pulling it off. And maybe in normal circumstances, there's like daycare and kindergarten and other places that they could actually put their kids during the day. But I think right now what people are experiencing is not just for any listeners that are wondering like, wow, like, is this COVID phase what working remotely is like normally? And I think the answer to that is no. Normally, this is not what it's like, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, first of all, I I totally get your point. And I almost, I don't want to say I regret saying that, but I, I'm sure there's going to be some people who are like, that guy's a dick. Like, it's not the great normalizer. I have I have four kids at home. I'm trying to like take care of while I'm, I'm on a call with you. I totally get your point with that. Um, and yeah, I, I I definitely have seen what that's like for some of my coworkers. I I more bring it up as a a an opportunity to see a bit more who all of us really are as people. Not necessarily bring us all to the same playing field because you're you're absolutely right. We're not on the same playing field at all. But I like knowing people in like a purely human way, not a different persona that you bring to work that you put away when you go home. Um, that's just me. A lot of this is all per- also personal opinion. Like I know a lot of people who probably don't want to be able to show this stuff or for all we know, might be embarrassed by certain parts of their personal life or are really sh- anxious about parts of their personal life and want to like hide it. I'm just not that person. I like throwing it all out there for everybody to see and, in to some degree at least but yeah i i get your point about like a hybrid thing i think for me it's not necessarily about kind of forcing i think it's about i hope this time just makes people realize that like there are options and even if you are not physically located in the room with people you you can still do your job and add value as a working person as a product manager it might be that the way you do that when our job is to basically just like wrangle people together to do great shit the the delta between you're doing your job in an office versus doing your job at home is different and probably larger than that of let's say a software engineer um Mm. so it requires folks like us to adjust things a little bit more than we might have thought we needed to like i said like i've been doing it for a year you had been doing a version of it for a year or so. I found myself writing a lot more. I found myself reading a lot more. I found myself thinking deeper about the things I was about to communicate before communicating it. It definitely added a certain amount of like friction to communication, in my opinion, that probably wasn't like a terrible thing. Other than the times when it would have been nice to have, sometimes you're stuck on a problem. And I found that in an office, when you get stuck on a problem, there's like a spontaneous form of conversation and brainstorm brainstorm is such a like buzzword but there is this like idea of like hey we've been stuck on this problem for like a week we're not sure where we want to go i'm going to get everyone that's been involved in this discussion into a room and we're just going to have like a lightning round of like why exactly we can't make a decision here and what 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 would we need to know to make a decision pull a trigger and that conversation done asynchronously can take like days whereas that conversation done over a call can take maybe like an hour but sometimes that conversation in a room can take like minutes. It doesn't happen every day. Like if every day you find yourself putting out fires in a way that requires a whole team to get together synchronously to like figure out next steps, it means that it's probably indicative of something not working in like the regular planning process and to some degree. But I, I think it really depends. Like, you know, most of my in-office experience was at like smaller startups where there's like really a lot of decisions and autonomy at the ground level to be made and not a lot of like corporate like ladder type stuff. So mm-hmm. you really could get in a room and make decisions about what you're going to spend the next three months on in an afternoon. So I, I do definitely feel that because yeah, I've, I've recently been through some um, slower pace than I would have liked and sometimes a little bit painful um, episodes of that, that planning slowness. But I also think like, I, I, I think that just is a test in my mind of how many people need to be involved in making that decision? Can you actually get on a call with maybe two people rather than 15 people to make that same decision? And does that help accelerate things? To me, it's, it's, it's just another version of that same intentionality, clarity, and setting of clear expectations. Maybe they're deadlines. Maybe they're like bluntly asking how many people need to be involved with this instead of just like, scorched earthing a room with 20 people and just like making decisions that way because i'll definitely tell you like working in a corporate environment where we would quote unquote solve problems by getting a bunch of people in the room to making decisions there's a very good likelihood we could have made the same decision with one quarter of the people in the room there and a lot of the other folks are just either silent, not really adding much value. It's not across the board, but it's definitely something that I've become more keenly aware of working from home and not every time, but in a lot of cases, still being able to like make effective decisions and ship products or improvements to my products without 
having an office to co-locate with people. Yeah. No, I think, I think everything has trade-offs. Um, I could totally make the steel man case for either or. Uh, one of the things we we're going to talk about is how some companies might be actually missing the mark with embracing some of the changes happening in the world right now and how they approach remote work. Uh, I think that's a really interesting topic. I think the one comment I made that may have triggered this as a conversational point for us is how um, during the, like, the interview process, I saw a lot of companies essentially just like taking the process they used to run in their office and just doing the same exact process over Zoom calls while ignoring the fact that um, Zoom calls are just like more tiring. They're, they're way more, t- you have to, you have to process, your like eyes are darting around a lot more. You're trying to process cues. You have lags, unreliable internet connections. Like there's, you know, I did some uh, whiteboarding exercises or like interviews where I had to like have to like write stuff down my, my note and I have to like describe to the person what I'm writing down and then like hold up my, my notebook to like the, the camera and show them what I was doing so they could like follow along on the thought process. And, you know, comparing that to like getting into a room and just like having a whiteboard and spending physical time with people, like their processes were designed for the latter, but how they actually manifest is the former. And I think that some things that I've seen companies flexible to do during my search, which was super well appreciated, were taking like a five or six hour onsite and like spreading it out into multiple days. So I could like be more, more energized and focused for each call. But I'm curious if you have any thoughts on things that you think companies might be missing the mark on with like this transition. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I have thoughts. I have lots of feelings about this. Um, yeah. Starting with the first one, which is like, I distinctly remember a few months ago, not a few months ago, maybe a few weeks ago, getting a text from a friend of mine who was frustrated because her office culture was basically just transplanted home in the way that you just described from your interview process. But that office culture for her as a, I don't remember exactly what her level or position or title was, maybe, maybe like a senior manager or like a, um, like a group product manager, something like that. Her calendar was a block from 8.30 to 5, entirely filled with meetings. There was no block for lunch. There was no block for focus time, just meetings. Because that's what her place of work did in an office um, environment. It was just the same thing at home. So you're stuck in, I don't know, a bedroom, a study, your kitchen table, um, your bathroom, as you said earlier, just taking calls. If you're not used to taking calls um, at home, as you said already, it's pretty draining as it is. Plus you're dealing with kids or the reality of where you're sitting in your room. You don't have like your nice corporate air on chair to like sit at. You're probably sitting on like a, like an uncomfortable wooden chair or something like that. And you're doing that for eight hours. That's insane. It's unrealistic. And most of those meetings don't need to happen as it is, let alone making them Zoom calls where, as you said already, like they're draining, they're awkward. People don't know how to conduct themselves yet. And as I've said a bunch of times already, as someone who's been doing this for almost a year now, like it's a, it's a gradual transition period to get used to and not be as drained by this type of conversation. It requires focus. One of the things I'm literally doing right now for our podcast to keep my focus and not drain myself is I have a monitor right next to my laptop. I've shut it off. I have this Zoom call in full screen mode. I have all of our, I have do not disturb on. I'm not looking at anything else. <laughs> my wife knows not to bother me for the next at least like i don't know 10 minutes or so that that requires discipline and training and all of that stuff that like is it is going to take adjustment for people i don't know if this is going to be permanent or like go on for much longer as you said your new job is probably going to be that way for at least the first 6 months better get damn used to it man um i don't know what else I'm to say <laughs> yeah no, no, no. i mean um, that, that's like i i'm going from like I used to just like mostly post up on our dining room when I was at abstract and uh, Carol, my wife used to go to work every day and that was great. I had a lot of space and now she's uh, using the dining room cause she likes to write stuff down for work and use a lot of notebooks. Whereas most of what I've been doing is interviewing. So it's like calls. And, uh, but my, my desk is like, imagine like a wooden square. That's like maybe twice the width of like a 13 inch MacBook pro in either directions. And it's not, large enough to have a monitor it's not large enough to be like writing stuff down and as i get into like thinking about getting spending the next six months at an actual job here while she's out there in in the dining room 
uh, yeah, I'm going to have to like upgrade my workspace. I'm being really like deliberate about this because I'm hunkering down for another six months working out of this room. And I know that the setup I have right now is not sustainable. And there's like certain like criteria that are guiding that process, right? Like what would my like ideal, like if I looked forward to coming into this room to just like jam and get work done, what would it look like? Right. That's kind of like how I'm imagining this. Mm -hmm. And I think that that approach um, is going to give me a, my best shot at being successful working from home for the first six months. And um, just like you and I met, what, like three months after you started working at Abstract in person for the first time, something like that. I'm going to have a moment where I meet these people I've been working with remotely at, at the office at some point. Mm-hmm. And that'll be, that'll be cool because we'll already have been working together for like six months, I guess, or four or five months after uh, onboarding. So yeah, um, I agree. I think that whether it's permanent or not, you know, uh, since last time we chatted, uh, Twitter uh, made the news for making their um, their work from home situation. Um, permanent. They, they've essentially been the first large, yeah, they've been essentially the first large tech company that has told people you could permanently work from home if you'd like. Yeah. And now we're seeing people like, be like, oh, damn, like, I can keep my Twitter job and probably keep my same compensation and I can move like anywhere. And it's like, yep. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. But most large other large tech companies have kind of taken the stance of working from home through the rest of 2020. Um, Some companies have still not even made that decision. So they're just like throughout the rest of the summer and we'll see where we are at the end of the year. Um, But I suspect that we're going to see a lot of, a lot of people talking more openly about the pros and cons of both. And if you are going to reopen your office, pay all that real estate cost, have a kitchen staff to feed your, your people, have all this cleaning crew and overhead to make sure the spaces are uh, sanitized and like habitable by humans every day, security forces, um, not to talk about all the overhead associated with getting candidates to come on site for interviews as you keep hiring. Like there's so many, managing meeting rooms and like meeting rooms are a real bottleneck at like a lot of offices. Oh yeah. It's, it's terrible. But also think about the fact that like how much time, I I don't know if you had this experience, but how much time did you spend during your workday finding meeting rooms? A lot because there were some meeting rooms that were like good for four people. But if you, if you realize that there's like a fifth person that was like needed to be informed or needed to be part of the, the conversation, and that meeting room is not humanly, like it's not humane to ask a fifth person to come into that room. Little now you have to like, era of COVID. <laughs> totally. Now you have to find another room that's like big enough for that. And then all the other rooms are full that are bigger. So maybe you can find another room that had like six people capacity, but there's only two people meeting in there and ask them if they want to like trade rooms with you, you or you just up, move the meeting. You have brought up another reason why I feel more productive working at home, even if it's sometimes slower to make decisions, because mm-hmm. I might be able to make decisions faster, but the amount of prep work required to just like administrate the job feels so much lower than it was in environments like that. Um, because yeah, that, that was, I, I would guess probably I spent 10 to 15% of my job just scheduling things and trying to find places to host things, which in retrospect is crazy if your job is to like make decisions and rally people to building a product. Yeah, I guess you can make the argument that like your job is basically a politician slash event planner. But if you can still do the thing without needing to do all of that prep work, there's a lot of big big ifs in there that require discipline, um, practice, training, etc. Like, why do all this shit? And this is where, like, this again becomes kind of personal preference and a little bit of my jadedness is going to come out here. Like, all of those kind of pieces of overhead that you just described in in owning an office, I get, like, viscerally upset thinking about how much money is spent on all of those things and how much of a company's, uh, like, cost of operations just goes into stuff like that. Sure, you're paying other companies, you're basically enabling jobs. Like it's so much and I get stressed out thinking, like if we were still working in a world where you needed to physically like co-locate with people in order to run a business at all, like I would just get so intimidated and scared 
of all of the things I need to think about. Mm. Like, don't even get me started about like opening a restaurant or opening a storefront. I get so intimidated with anything like that. It sounds like a fun idea. And I'm like, all of the things I need to now think about if I'm going to start one of those businesses. If I want to start a company in a world where people are comfortable working remotely, like I just like post online and be like, we want something to work on something. And then you like file an LLC and you have a business. Like that's, mm. it's, I, I almost think that this is weirdly a good way. I'm now getting on like another soapbox and another really hypothetical soapbox the, the, this era of everyone trying to like figure out how to work remotely and the fact that it's a possibility now, it, it, it makes me optimistic that maybe people will come up with different ideas that can be businesses or products or whatever that actually help people or help them create a sustainable living that they're in control of, um, which is a whole other thing I think is another episode in itself that doesn't make it feel like it's so hard to actually go start a business because that is what it is. You come up with an idea, you find people to prototype it, and then you're good. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think that all I know is that the assumption that we all need to be in a space together for every every type of business is wrong. I don't think a lot of things are black and white, but I think that one is pretty clear to me that like, I don't think that having to go to an office every day to do your job or to make a living is right for the whole world. I think that's that much I know. I think it's, but, and, and the beauty of that is I think people are going to have choices. I mean, they can find companies that like the, you as an employee, like if you're extra extroverted and you feel like super depressed being alone at home or being on calls all day, but you feel super energized being in a, in a physical space with a lot of other people all day. And like the ongoing chatter in the office, uh, which can be distracting to some people actually like invigorates you and you feel love your job more and you're better because of it. Maybe you'll end up attracting your like the, those companies that have that will attract you more to those spaces um and then companies where it's like hey we we can get asynchronously we assume everyone's like gonna get their shit done on their own time from home we're gonna be like a very minimal meeting culture and the people are like oh shit like that's my jam like i want to work in a place like that are going to be attracted to that vibe right so we're seeing much more of like i think we're going to see a lot more different unique cultures you know culture is such a misused word in my opinion but i think that what we just talked about is that word so much but i get your point completely i think we're going to see a, a diversification of cultures for the platitude platitude plethora the, the many just the, the very just similar SAT word man of, <laughs> this is now sat um, word jam with ben Arras and brandon green <laughs> the the mixture of personalities and and people and and uh, I think I think companies are going to fragment out um, what they have to offer and I think that you and you and I might look ten years from now at where we want to work more like you might think about what kind of like movie you want to watch or something it's like it's a lot more specific to like the genre of what you're looking for rather than like do you want pizza or do you want pasta tonight. And I think that most of what we see today is really kind of like black and white. And to some degrees, like you want to work from home or do you want to work from an office? If you work from an office, it's going to be just like what you're used to. If you work from home, it's going to be pretty much like exactly like working from home everywhere else. I don't think that's true today. I think there definitely are companies doing it differently, but I think it's probably fair to paint a really broad brushstroke um, and say that for the most part, we have not reached a point of like hyper-customized office cultures that are like very unique. Um, can I can I give you the um, misanthropic take on that? Sure. Which I'm not sure I I, I think is going to happen um, because I do I think a lot of what you said is resonating and interesting to think about in terms of to bring out a specific example like the, the most recent season of Westworld introduces holograms into a future that's not far off from our current one like maybe I think it's like 50 or 40 years into the future like if you can hologram yourself into an office environment like that barrier between video call goes away because you're you can sort of simulate your physical presence in the room which is interesting um, and that might make working remotely a bit more digestible than it is now. It's funny. It's funny you bring up Westworld because that that show this season also had an instance where one of the main characters was like talking to some AI on the phone and he just felt like while the AI was perfectly copying the the gestures of a real person, he just felt like he needed to talk to someone real. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's an element of like, I don't, I think it's deeply human from us to want to be around other humans that are in like real environments um so 
I can see the case for what you're saying working for some people, just like working from home today might be just human enough for like a lot of people. But I think there's going to be, again, like a, a fragmentation of like people's preferences for just how human of an environment that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and I think that the people who there, there might be like a specific type of person who's like, I want to be, I want to like be in a virtual space with other people, but I don't want to just sit in front of zoom calls all day. And I also don't want to be in like a physical space with people all day. So I'm going to be in a space where like I can project in. Right. Um, I can see it. I can totally see it being good for some people. And I, maybe I'm, Maybe every year that goes by, I'm going to sound more and more like a, like an old person. And I'm just going to like talk about the old days where people like hung out in person as like the golden age of whatever work, but, and, and maybe my grandkids or your grandkids or whatever are going to look back and be like, can you believe people used to have to like, people used to like, like spending day together with the people that they work with? Like, what the hell was that about? Um, but, but I think that there's always going to be a segment of humanity that I will prefer to work that way. So here's my misanthropic take that I didn't get into earlier, which is that fragmentation could become a way for extroverts to work with extroverts and introverts to work with introverts. And I'm not sure if I'm afraid, but I'm cautious about a future where you have fragmentation in that regard that becomes unhealthy and tribalistic, not unlike our political system right now. And I get a little bit worried about people who are like, I only want to work with other people or I only want to work at my home. Then there's also all of the other industries that we're not talking about right now where there basically is no choice because you have to literally physically prepare food for people, um, for example. So yeah, I, uh, I think that's something to just watch out for. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, the fragmentation gone wrong results in polarization, right? Yeah. And I think polarization is not necessarily the... Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that's tricky about it is that like you can argue that it's probably already happening to a degree, not not even in the way of like remote, like remote introverts versus like extroverts who want to be in an office and miss it. But like I've been in environments where like extroverts get preference and get noticed better because they're just naturally extroverted. So they're the ones more likely to get promotions or get like recognition because they're like outgoing. Um, remote work is kind of an interesting way to like give more opportunities to the introverts. And I don't want that to be a, a means for division of people. If that makes yeah, sense. I think it's, it's spot on. And I think in a world in which we all had like truly merit based, like competence and merit based uh, work environments where how you're perceived by others is directly correlated with like the quality of work that you do and not how loud you are, or how funny you are in the kitchen or whatever. Um, I agree with you that that would be a more, uh, that would mitigate some of the risk of, of this like dystopian polarization. But look, I'm, I'm, I'm equal parts extrovert and introvert, probably like more like 70, 30 introvert, extrovert. So it's like, um, I used to, I used to remember coming home from a day at an office and just feel like exhausted from, from a day around other people. Um, and definitely kind of like wondering if there's like things wrong with me at some times where I'm like, how come other people seem to be like, so like energized at work all the time. And I feel like overwhelmed by like some of the stuff happening here. So I, I've experienced this for sure. And then I think the flip side of that is working from home all the time. I started feeling like, man, like, is this all there is to life? Just like sitting in front of a screen and like, you know, not really getting to celebrate when my team in person and not really getting to like mourn losses, you know, like if someone we really like, like leaves the company and you want to just have a beer and talk about how awesome that person was or whatever, like there's things like that, that are very tri They are tribal in some degree, like in human, but I don't think you should throw the baby out. We shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater when we talk about tribalism. It's like, there are certain parts of tribalism that, like, you know, make, they're very cool. Like you're a musician. And when someone comes to watch a live performance, there's something very tribal about that, where like, there's these people that are putting on a show and you're going to like dance and like, you're going to like head nod or whatever. And like, there's something very like human about that. And it is tribal. It's like campfire. Like I'm laughing because like, I'm going to sound like such a goddamn misanthrope right now. Like zoom call happy hours, man. <laughs> but only one person can talk at a time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't miss that stuff as much as probably most people, which is why I said I'm going to sound like such a misanthrope right now. I like having my personal space. I sometimes miss seeing people. I mean, we might even have some, a couple, a couple of socially distant friends over uh, this weekend or next weekend, because like human connection is great. 
but I also just, I, I like having the separation, I guess. I am also probably a jaded person. Like I, if someone leaves the company, yeah, they're, they're good. Like they were, they might've been a great person. I can have a beer with some folks over a Zoom call to reflect. I'm also not a reflective person like you are. Like I, I'm just not wired to do that that much. And to go back to my earlier point about like raising kind of the, the bar for options for the introverts or the misanthropes, whatever it is. I felt sometimes forced into some of those things in an office environment. Whereas like in, in a remote environment, I can just bow out because it's just like not my scene, man. Mm. I don't know. No, I agree. Also, I'm also the guy bedroom producing music and not actually going playing live shows because I just don't enjoy playing live. Yeah, I remember in our offsite you showed some pictures. I think of you playing music in front of um, like at real venues or something earlier in your life, right? Yeah, I haven't done that in years, man. Um, I probably yeah. should, but whatever. So I think my takeaway from this call is that I think we're gonna see more optionality i think emerge in the future it's gonna be less black and white like we're like you have to go to an office every day or you have to work from home every day i think there's gonna be a lot more gray area for companies and employees to explore together i think as a product manager the role of product management is so different at every company that and the personalities of product managers just like you and i demonstrated here are so different that there's not like one way that's better or worse i think it really just boils down to people and what, what you're looking for, what gets you excited. And um, yeah, and, and the last thing I took away from this is that if anyone is kind of getting exposed for the first time to remote work or working from home right now during the COVID uh, era, uh, I think they should definitely realize like this is not, this is not what like regular times working from home uh, remote work is like. Those sound good to me. I would also disclaimer that last sentence with, it could become the norm of what, remote work could look like. And I think everybody should be kind of thinking about that or kind of keeping that in the back of their head, not as a like depressing warning sign, but as a like, maybe there are parts of this that we can make better for ourselves, or maybe there are some like good things about it. If you're currently kind of finding yourself miserable by the way you have to work, maybe it's a wake up call that you don't enjoy living in a city, uh, at least in the way that cities are today, where you can't go out to bars and stuff like that. But yeah, I think the only the only other thing I'll add is that like not only is it just like personal preference, but it's also what you put into it and what things that you want to do to make it better for yourself. And it's not just like going and reading an article of like, here's all the coolest gear that you need to get for your new remote work setup, or here are like the top tips that are just like one-liners that don't actually add any value. It's like talk to people, keep like trying to discuss and get to the root of like what's frustrating you if you're frustrated or what you really like. And yeah, just keep trying to self-improve. Not unlike That's anything else. That's a really in good life. point. That's um, a really good point. I think self-care and routine and like you and I both having dogs and like having like a partner that we live with, I think helps us kind of force ourselves to probably have some sort of structure that we fit the work into. But well, it's not, it's not just structure. It's also like just thoughtfulness and self-awareness. Um, if you do or don't have those things that are kind of forcing boundaries, like regardless, take a look every week as to like how things are going for you. And if it sucks, don't accept it. There's probably someone out there who's either run into something that's something that's like what you're frustrated by or has some tips or just like wants to talk about it. So like take some time to make it better. Don't just assume it's going to go, don't assume it's going to go away. And also don't assume it has to be as bad as you think it is right now. Cause I yeah. personally very much enjoy my work situation right now. And I don't want to go back into an office. That's just me, but um, there's ways to make it better. Yeah. I think that's a great way to wrap. Um, this was a super fun conversation and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing uh, hearing what people have to say if they want to follow up with any of us individually, but I really enjoyed talking through it together. Yeah, me too. This is fun. I feel like I got some angst out because as I said before, I have feelings about this. That's good. That's why you go to therapy. Talk through the feelings. <laughs> nice. So we have a Twitter account. We have the Substack, obviously where people can comment on, should we like promote or like pay attention to Twitter? Sure. What, what's at our prod, Twitter handle? At prod therapy. <laughs> Prod therapy. I'm uh, on Twitter at Viable Ben. It's, it's such a like topical like product management like is part of your personal brand. 
it's it's it like it, it's your personal brand and i think that's nice it's totally not for me but it's i appreciate that about you it's there's nothing else that i um i find worth building any sort of um fun kind of like online presence about i have other interests too but none of them are coherent enough to kind of fall under an umbrella if you ever want to talk about ancient history i'm definitely down to nerd out about that with you (laughs) i like ancient history it's fun um my twitter handle is an unpronounceable thing that is meant to spell out sophomores because that's my musical alias but just google brandon lucas green and you'll find me i guess (laughs) i'm terrible at self-promotion this is a podcast (laughs) Um, stop (laughs) yeah (laughs) 